We're live. Great. And we are live here on Dong City. I have returned. Now it's Henry who's missing, but we do have our special guest, Felipe Melicio from Total Bases over here. Felipe, thank you for filling in for Henry. I would not shock me at all just knowing Henry that he's going to make a guest appearance at some point in the show. But until then, it's all you. How are you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, I've been uh, wondering when I was going to reappear on this show and uh, just kind of serendipitously happened that today at the end of June that I am back on your airwaves. So thank you for having me again. Yeah, no problem. You picked a good time to be on because this is an exciting time of baseball season. Uh, we're headed into All-Star Weekend in a couple weeks. So yeah. closing in on that, closing in on the official halfway point in the season. I know most people say All-Star Weekend, but it's actually this week. Uh, and we've we've got some live action that's been pretty exciting today. Uh, you can probably tell why I'm so happy, but we could start with the the first game going on, that is Yankees-Angels. Notable, not because they're playoff contenders, because don't get me wrong, they aren't, neither one of those teams. But, and we'll get into that more later, but Otani, three years in the making, making his pitching debut at Yankee Stadium. Ooh. Angels stake him to a nice 2-0 lead on a Phil Gosselin home run. And what does he do as a potential MVP candidate? He gives up seven runs in the first inning, gets pulled with two outs and 41 pitches. He's out of the game. The Yankees lead 7-2 at the moment. So, Can I yeah. make a fantasy baseball update here for you? <laughs> I know you've uh, you've been running around, so I didn't know if you were aware of that that was happening with the game. No, I, I was not aware, so thank you for the update. But the, here's the update for, from my selfish standpoint. Somebody late last night offered me in my points league uh, Shohei Otani for Christian Yelich straight up. So does your league do the – is Otani one player or is he two? Uh, he's one player. So you only get points uh, where you start him. So either you DH him or you pitch him. So. Yeah. That makes a lot more sense to me. I play in one league where he's one player and one league where he's two. Yeah. And Otani pitcher and Otani, Otani batter to me is – that's kind of bullshit. It, like, he's <laughs> the first-round pick because he can do both. And I feel like instead he's like, you know, next year, obviously he'll go a lot higher based on the season he's having, but I feel like he gets shafted twice by being split in half. Does that make sense? Shohei Otani, Multiplicity. Uh, that's going to be a great movie starring Michael Keaton and uh, Jackie Chan or something. Yeah. So I don't anyway, watch it. Otani gets bombed. His ERA goes up over a run in this game. It's it's 360 now, 127 whip. I think he entered the game 253 and his whip was like around one. Um, so and now Sledge Sledgers is going to bat for Otani as well. Rob producer Splendid. Yeah, what a mess. But uh, this is the downside. I mean, it, not that it happens often. It may this may be the only time it happens this year, but if he gets bombed as a starter, you're stuck with that spot in the lineup just to, and he batted lead off too. Cause I think they wanted to get him as many at bats as possible mm -hmm. and it backfired completely. But um, this is a, I, I've argued, I don't know if you guys have talked about it on your show. I have argued he should be a bulk reliever, uh, like a three inning closer type forever. And mm -hmm. should be in the lineup the rest of the game. But I don't know if they have any plans to do that. I don't know how you feel about that. Uh, to give him the old Colin McHugh role that he has succeeded in, in Tampa, you want him to be Colin McHugh. Yeah, I want him to be <laughs> the original Chris Devensky before he died. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Chad Green before he became a one-inning guy out of nowhere for no reason whatsoever. 
Yeah, I, I like that role for him. Uh, I know Sean absolutely loves Shohei Otani. I, I mean, you already kind of, I can kind of uh, insinuate my feelings uh, when I mentioned that I was offered him for Christian Yellow straight up, and I just kind of blankly stared at the screen because I don't know how to react to that because I don't think that's a it's that's not going to cut the cheese for Christian Yelich. Um, I but you know what I've been doubting Otani this whole time. Uh, you know I, I always I was in the school of thought that he has to pick one or the other, uh, and but you know I'm wrong. He ends up being a really good hitter and a somewhat dependable pitcher. But like you mentioned, sucks for the Angels now because the they have to accommodate an extra rotation spot just for Otani because they have a six man rotation. So that's one less bullpen arm or maybe even one less bench spot. So, um, but if it works, it works. It didn't work today with the Yankees. So speaking of Yankees, Hank. Live correspondent here on Don. Come on. Now you have to go. This has to be your favorite game in four years. I'll apologize in advance. I know you guys like structure and you know, I just like chaos. I'm going to call in, but I had to, I had to, had to call in. Otani got his ass whooped. Look at this one. Otani got his shit rocked. And everybody's still celebrating. Felipe, thanks for hosting with Vince. I love it. I'm going to call in later on. Domingo Herman's on the mound. I'm sure he'll give up a few more runs, but in case you didn't know, Otani got rocked. Love you, fuckers. Thanks, there Henry. Go. There you go. Live coverage from Henry. Live, live coverage from Yankee Stadium. Otani got his shit rocked. Thank yeah. you, Henry Maldonado, for that update. It's uh, just in the time we've talked, by the way. Herman did give up another run at 7-3 yes, so now in that game. But uh, honestly, the, I said this a few minutes ago. Like the, the rest of this season almost doesn't even matter to me at this point because I have mentally checked out of the Yankees having any shot at doing anything remotely special this year. So well, you'd be surprised. This is, this is a celebratory type of night if you're a Yankee fan, whether <laughs> you win or lose. Just it, three years in the making, Felipe. That's what you have to keep in mind. Is how <laughs> this game was because he kept ducking Yankee Stadium like he's David Price. And now he finally makes that debut when he's feeling himself and he's the top MVP candidate after destroying them yesterday offensively. And this is what happens now. One day later, you have to revisit that discussion between him and Vlad. It's a little bit of humble pie for uh, Shohei Otani and especially at pitcher where every, and in New York where the spotlight and all the cameras are on you. So yeah, he got a rude awakening today, but you know, that doesn't take away from what he's been doing in the season. And like I was trying to say, uh, it's been working for him. So if it works, it works. Just keep going until his arm falls off again. And at least he has a bet that the angels can fall back on. Uh, it sounds like, Hey, it sounds like the old adage about going to college, right? If you're a superstar athlete, well, you got to make sure you graduate because you have that education to fall back on. At least with Shoyo Tani has a bet to fall back on if his arm falls off his socket. We hope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I, it's, Look, outside of this, obviously, as Tara mentioned in the in the Yankee thread, if you're in there, every MVP is even entitled to a bad day. She's absolutely right. You are allowed to have a bad game, whether it's pitching or hitting if you're Otani. But the hysteria of what he's doing, part of it warranted. I mean, this is great for baseball. Henry and I have discussed this. It's great for baseball what he's doing. He is as close to what you can possibly envision Babe Ruth's talent was. Um, he's not Babe Ruth, but he's doing both things. And he's doing them both well. 
Um, it's great for baseball. It's great he's doing the derby. I am one of those truthers who does think that the home run derby can ruin your swing and uh, and get you hurt. I totally believe that happened to Judge in 2017 when he won the derby. It just it makes sense to me. You're swinging full torque, full power every single time. Um, you're doing God knows how many bet, you know practice swings. It's probably a bigger workload than you're used to, and and it's easy to pull something or whatever. So. Plus but the, the timing mechanism too, uh, are they still timing it? Yes. Yeah. Which I, I think that's the best format we've ever had for the dirt. Don't get, don't get me wrong. The home run derby. I love, I just, I I'm totally okay. If Yankee players don't do it. Uh, <laughs> I, I've seen judge. I've seen Stan. I've seen Sanchez. I've seen Cano. you know, I, I've gotten my share. Tino Martinez won it back in the day. I, uh, home run derby is a great novelty. I'm totally fine. If my own guys don't do it. I'm glad Otani's doing it. He can hit absolute bombs. He's a perfect candidate for it. Um, but it would not at all surprise me if this hurt him in some way, especially. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. But it's great he's doing it. Great for baseball. Obviously, what he's doing is special. Um, I think Henry and I are in the minority right now of considering Glad the actual. So he's my top MVP right now. I'd have Otani second. Uh, and it's mainly just because I, and I mentioned this earlier in baseball life today, I think you have to draw a line in what, wh- how you evaluate Otani as a player. Because if you look at it just in a vacuum, he's pitching well, he's hitting well, he's the MVP every single year as long as he stays healthy for any considerable amount of time. And you can't argue it because you've already crossed that line where you said, okay, he pitches and he hits. Yeah. This is what we ran into in the 2018 Rookie of the Year too. This is why I bring that up all the time. And Duhar was the better hitter that year. But because Otani threw 50 innings or whatever he did, he was the MVP almost unanimously to most people because of just the fact he did that, which is fine. If that's how you feel and if that's the way it is, that's fine. But that has to be the precedent that's set this year. And otherwise, Vlad is having uh, – he's Edgar Martinez and Ken Griffey Jr. mixed into one right now this season. He's hitting 340-plus. He's on pace for 50 home runs. He's on pace for a nine-war season. Like he could win the triple crown. He's leading on base percentage and, and he's up there in slugging as well. So, I mean, he's, he could lead five categories offensively. Yeah. That's an MVP. And he's doing it on a team that in my opinion is a much better chance of making the playoffs than the Eagles do. Are so you're talking about uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. winning the quintuple crown over there. What you yeah, talking about? I, there? If a guy wins a quintuple crown playing every <laughs> single day, he's the MVP. It's just, you can't, that to me is automatic. You know, I and and that's what you have to decide. How much of Otani simply pitching makes him an MVP? And I don't care either way. It just has to be that has to be figured out this year. And when you figure that out, that decides the MVP for me. Well, let's see. He's at uh, three point four WAR at the moment, uh, depending on how much stock you put in that. I'm trying to figure out if uh, if 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 Fangraphs has him split with the pitching and the hitting. I, I can't seem to figure that out, but. I don't know if the 3.4 includes the pitching, but he doesn't qualify among the top uh, starting pitchers uh, on the leaderboard of war. He's nowhere to be found. I can't see him anywhere. So that tell, I mean, it makes sense because the angels have a six man rotation and they, they pitch once a week. And it's um, from a fantasy standpoint, it's, uh, to me personally, it's very frustrating picking up any angels pitcher with the hope that they'll pitch, you know, multiple yeah. games a week. Cause it doesn't happen. It rarely happens. And guess what they also do Vince. They're constantly, because everybody's on a, on an extra day of rest. They can just constantly flip and flop the, the freaking rotation order. And 
it messes you up and it messes um, Otani up. And I think that's why I don't see him on the pitching uh, leaderboard. But um, you mentioned, uh, did you say that you were all for Guerrero winning the MVP or not positive about Guerrero winning the MVP? Vlad would be my pick right now for the reason I just said is if you okay. give it to Otani this year based on the reasoning, he's the MVP every year. And that's just never been how the MVP works. Right, right. And I, I, I agree with you. I, I'm, I'm in the school of thought that MVP, that's for the hitters and uh, Cy Young, that's for the pitchers. Now, if the game changes in the next five, 10 years where you're going to see more two-way players like that, then my, I might have to change my stance on that. But for right now, it's hard to it's hard not to do it, not to give it to Vladimir Guerrero. I mean, he has the high, I mean, for first baseman to lead the league in war, wins above replacement according to Fangrass, by almost a full uh, win above replacement over Fernando Tatis Jr. And I, I, I like to mix the two, you know, National League and American League. Okay, so, okay, he has a full win above replacement over Carlos Correa, who plays shortstop. If anybody right. is familiar with how war works, especially with Fangrass, first baseman get penalized just for breathing. Yeah. And shortstops can get super valued because they're shortstops. It's supposed to be the most important um, uh, position in all of baseball next to catcher, second base, and center field. Uh, and Guerrero is still a full run, a full win above a replacement better than Carlos Correa. That should tell you all you need to know about how spectacular Guerrero Jr. has been this full year. Yeah, and he's playing, and, and this is probably another, I, I mean, this is a perfect storm for my personality. I have always maintained, I think, first base defense is underrated. I think that's a market inefficiency in baseball that they haven't really tapped into yet. Uh, like you said, Fangraphs doesn't value it. You look at baseball reference and use their war as well. Otani just, uh, he, again, potentially rightfully so, his war skyrockets because he also does the pitching. Um, the pitching compared to Vlad's defense at first is not anywhere near fair. Um and I, I think that's underappreciated. Vlad's defense has really improved at first base. He's an above average defender and he's playing a position that I think is undervalued defensively. Uh, and then on top of it, he's hitting 344 with 26 home runs and, and has no PS over 1.1. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's a very interesting debate because it's so polarizing and they're two completely different MVPs Mm -hmm. um, I get the argument for Otani, and I don't have a problem if he wins it. I just think that sends a bigger message than just this year's MVP if he does. Yeah, I'd be shocked if he wins it, honestly. I mean, I think it's, I think any, any baseball fan can see the gargantuan numbers that Guerrero is putting in. You'd be hard-pressed not to vote for the guy. I mean, he's a likable character. He's the son yeah. of a Hall of Famer, plays for a, a very a pretty popular team in Toronto. Uh, maybe not in America they're popular, but in Canada, that's the only team in town, literally in the whole country. That's the only team. And, uh, I mean, and he's a fun-loving guy. I mean, I don't know how. Where Shohei Otani, I mean, yeah, he gets the highlights, and, and uh, but he plays for a crappy Angels team. Uh, and most people are asleep anyway when he's playing. And he gets shelled in his one time that he gets an opportunity to shine brightest in New York and he shits the bed. So that should lose him a lot of points among the, um, yeah, the people who uh, do that. Because Johnny uh, Ortega had asked earlier in the comment section, I don't know whether it was rhetorical or not, but he asked why I hate on the Tani so much. And I know I've explained it. <laughs> There's always a new demographic who wants to know what my beef is with Otani. Um, again, I... I'm not a one-track mind. I can compartmentalize. I love Otani as a baseball talent, and I love what he can potentially do for the marketing of this sport. Mm -hmm. um, Otani as a person, 
from the information that we have available. And don't get me wrong, I think he's funny. I like, I think he has a good personality. Vlad Jr. also, they're both very lovable guys. Um, what rubbed me the wrong way from the very beginning of all of this was him and his agent requiring all of the teams to write essays, actual essays from the front office and have a design for who he was, who, how they were going to utilize him. And then before even getting in meeting with certain teams, and yes, the Yankees were one of them, he automatically said he wasn't going to play because of the geographical location. I thought that was a bitch move. I thought that it set a precedent in my head that this guy wants to stray away from the big picture, from the big spotlight. It's fine if you want to play in a small market. It's fine if you want to play for a secondary team in a big market like he does with the Angels. The Dodgers have that market. The Angels are the second team. It's very much like the Mets, Yankees, White Sox, Cubs, whatever you want. I mean, their fan bases aren't going to admit it, but that's just how it is. And it's fine if that's it, but don't put on a dog and pony show for actual professional front offices to go through when you already know you don't want to play on the East Coast and you don't want to play in a huge market on a primary team in a huge market. And that's what he did. So that rubbed me the wrong way. But mainly, I've just it's more tongue-in-cheek that it's been a running joke for me that he has ducked Yankee Stadium, like I said, for three years, whether because he was hurt or because they moved his start magically. I mean, David Price pulled the same thing. And, uh, and now he finally, like I said, all the cards were in his favor. I mean, this is a bad Yankee lineup. It's not even an average Yankee lineup. It's a bad Yankee lineup. And they, as Henry so notably put it, rocked him. So that's it. That's, that's it. That's all it is with, with Otani. I don't hate him as a person. I don't hate him as a player. I just like to mess around with him because it's so easy to. Uh, Corey, thank you for the birthday wishes. And ironically, Corey, I completely agree with you in that I, I don't think pitchers can't win the MVP. In fact, if Jacob deGrom, and I said this a few weeks ago, I don't know if you agree, Felipe, if Jacob deGrom finishes this season with a sub one ERA and pitches, you know, 30 plus starts, uh, I think he's my MVP in the NL. And it doesn't, there's nothing going on that's Vlad-like in the NL where I'd say there's a hitter so good, it doesn't matter. I would vote for DeGrom and Vlad and have Otani finish second. And I think that there's a plausible explanation for that. No, not me. Uh, MVPs for hitters. Cy Young Awards are for okay. pitchers. That's I'm, I'm going to stick with that. I just, I think uh, that's just the way that I, I view things. Uh, I mean, to not give the MVP to a Fernando Tatis Jr. or Ronald Acuna or even a Nick Castellanos who might sneak in, who play every day and uh, are somewhat durable <clears throat> except well Tatis and Acuna are always hurt but you know yeah. what the problem is there Vince they have uh, Junior as their surnames you we all know that guys who with surnames with juniors on them they're weak yeah uh, uh, present company included I guess but uh, <laughs> but no I mean listen I, I, I as a Jacob the Grom owner I mean my he's being he's carrying my team but he plays once every five games and yeah. potentially the other guys play over 100 games um, and they have to field and and patrol very important positions not including Castellanos because he's a he's a terrible right fielder but Acuna and Tatis which I just mentioned those are two of the most primary most important positions in all of baseball shortstop and center field and they're playing it and they're living up to expectations uh if I may just uh, butt in a little bit I finally figured out this whole uh Shoyo Otani on Fangraphs thing with the combination of hitting and pitching he's at 4.5 war and I mentioned Guerrero at 4.7 so that puts them if you combine both that puts them in the the running for MVP in the American League, right? Here's my problem with Otani, though. 
let's say a guy like uh since it's johnny we'll mention nathan ovaldi his guy from the red sox right johnny is a big red sox fan sure. ovaldi has 90 innings pitch and 16 starts and he's eight and four i mean who cares about win loss but it just shows that with 12 decisions he goes deep into games right yeah. otani is three and one with only 11 game starts and he doesn't even qualify for pitching because he's only pitched 59 innings uh, yeah, he's so, a half pitcher. I mean, he, he's yeah, a, that's that's what I'm talking about. 100 to 120 inning guy. To what I said earlier, by the way, you probably get the same results if he's a bulk reliever. Except in my mind, the strategy is better having him pitch later in the game instead of earlier. Um, but yeah, no, I, absolutely, all of those are valid points. Vlad, this isn't this isn't a this isn't Evaldi mixed in with Vlad at, at Otani. It's not, that's not the picture. It is a very good hitter and it is a solid pitcher who is a poor man's Blake Snell, which is not necessarily an insult. It's just sort of a reality. Um, to your point in the DeGrom argument, this is the other thing we have to keep the, how your team finishes absolutely does matter to me. Uh, I, I, it's sort of a popular take sometimes that people are like, oh, well, it doesn't matter if you're like the Mike Trout argument we get all the time, right? Mike Trout's the MVP, even though the angels come in dead last because they'd be even worse without him, which is true. But in my mind, the tiebreaker, if you will, you are a playoff team. So if Fernando Tatis makes the playoffs with the Padres and Jacob DeGrom, you know, Nationals are white hot right now. If the right. if Nationals win the East, Mets are on the outside looking in the, in the playoffs. That, that obviously seals it for me. But, um, you know, those are also the factors we just have to monitor in the second half. But to your point, yeah, 59 innings the first half. There's not a full workload. Um, and, and if I, you don't... If he's a four plus ERA pitcher and he's only pitching half the time, like that is not necessarily that valuable to me. I mean, he's giving up 4.7 walks per nine innings compared to Ovaldi, who is not going to, uh, he's not uh, a guy that many teams are looking to anchor their rotation. Ovaldi has much better control at only 1.89 walk per nine. Sure, he's not as electric as Otani, but he's better at keeping uh, walks in check and and things of that nature. And if you want to go, okay, well, that's still a mediocre pitcher. Fine. Let's compare him to a really good pitcher like Clayton Kershaw. Old man Clayton Kershaw, right? The man who's been pitching since forever. Right now, Clayton Kershaw has had 17 game starts and 102 in a third innings. So what's Otani's excuse? He's younger. He's fresher. Yeah. Why can't he go up to Clayton Kershaw levels of stamina and, and endurance? What's up, Otani? That's what I want to know. You, That's your MVP? Are you, is that your MVP? I don't think so. Yeah. Is this your king? This is your um, king. So anyway, wrapping up a 7-3, end of two, Yankees grounded into another double play. Tigers up on the Indians 5-4. Yep. Uh, something to monitor. Indians all of a sudden in both the division and playoff races. We'll get to, by the way, we're going to cover all of the, I, I know I teased it in the uh, subject. We're going to cover all of the playoff potential teams later, whether or not we think they're legit. Phillies leading Marlins, not much there. Mariners leading Blue Jays 4-1. That's notable. Yankees could pass them with a win, Blue Jay loss. Royals lead one nothing on the Red Sox. What a weird series. I don't know if you've paid attention at all to that series, but it's been the same exact story every time. Royals jump all over the Red Sox starters and then blow it with the bullpen. <laughs> yeah, it's about right. Yeah, and it looks like they're on that track again, up one nothing early. Reds up 4-1. The Reds, another team, all of a sudden, mm -hmm. legitimately over 500 and in a playoff race. Uh, Mets down 4-2 to the Braves. We'll see what that Braves bullpen has in store later today. That game, the Braves are the team this year, like they've been every year except last year, where it ain't over till it's over. Uh, Orioles-Astros underway. 
Another weird series. Orioles are playing the Astros extremely tough, <laughs> which has been a joy for me to watch. Right. But strange to explain. Earlier today, Cardinals beat the Diamondbacks 7-4. Who doesn't? Brewers. So Brewers-Cubs, I'm sure you know about this game. Cubs up 7 nothing after the first. Yep. Brewers win 15-7. Yeah, uh, you, you came to watch the baseball game and a football game broke out is yeah, what happened. That, that was ugly. Uh, I obviously have major concerns about the Cubs. We'll get into them later. The Rockies, six, Rockies beat the Pirates 6-2 day after Rockies loses his no-hitter in the ninth. And the Nationals 15-6 over the Rays. I can't remember the last time the Rays gave up 15 runs in the game. Uh, going into that series, I was nervous because I had Joe Ross uh, – pitching for my weekly league that's that same yeah. points league where i was offered otani and the elegy i'm sorry for getting us a, a fantasy spin but i promise you i yeah, i try yeah, my yeah. best to uh to merge the two worlds right <laughs> but i was concerned because the rays are a tough team and ross from i mean he must have shut them down because all of a sudden i get 28 points from joe ross of all people yeah we everybody wrote off and he's been like you mentioned the nationals are white hot he's a big major reason why they're white hot suddenly they have the they don't have steven strasberg they have joe ross to kind of pick up the pace for him. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah, something looked very uh, 2019-ish with the way the way they're getting hot. Uh, Lester named pitch well today, five innings, five runs, but the bullpen held it down. Rays are struggling. Um, you know, I see them firsthand. They're definitely struggling. You, you just look at the division. They're two and a half back. I mean, last week they were leading the division. Red Sox are hot, but they're not that hot. Rays are struggling, so that helps. But those are your updates for now. Stanley Cup's also underway. That one's scoreless. Uh, in case you were wondering, with hockey game two, hockey in July as of game three, the next one, first time ever, as far as I know. So, surprised the ice hasn't melted. I, it's very strange. You have a, a Tampa, Florida, a Tampa, Florida <laughs> hockey team playing in the Stanley Cup Finals in July. Is uh, try telling like your grandfather, <laughs> you know, about or try telling your grandkids about that. It's just strange um well, anyway. at least hey, the canadians are in it so that's that's a sign of familiarity right there right a little street cred i know purest hockey fans were rooting for that canadians islanders matchup but uh i wasn't so yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> let's uh we other big events in july of course we have the home run derby all-star game and futures game which as i get more into dynasty leagues going back to fantasy and uh and you know prospects futures game kind of excites me i know i've got two of my guys dominguez and medina are going to be in it before we get into the all-star selection is there anyone in that futures game you're really looking forward to oh boy uh i have to look it up i honestly didn't get a chance to look i didn't think we we're going to talk about that because i thought you were going to talk about that next week but uh if you give yeah. me a second to look that up i can tell you because now you got me interesting, but Jason Domingos, the fact that he got that he showed up on the list, it's mm -hmm. kind of surprising because right, he hasn't he hadn't played any. Uh... I believe it's the first time ever that someone who has not played in an organized league is in the futures game. I think he might also be the youngest player ever, but that I'm not sure about. Uh, Rob, by the way, also co-signing. He's excited for Domingos, who is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we're going to see if he's more like Mike Trout or, well, I think Sean and I already discussed that he can't be Mike Trout because he's too small. He's a little uh, stocky yeah. and only 5'10". Yeah. But, you know, I mean, he comes with a lot of hype, uh, even among prospects. I mean, prospects are all full of hype. This one in particular is lots of hype, and uh, I'm just looking forward to finally getting to see him in person. Uh, Brennan Davis, Cub fan. I'm a Cub fan, so Brennan Davis, apparently he made the – Get some the, this year. Yeah. So he's the one shining light in our farm system at this point. Uh, Atlee Rushman, I got to find out, is he the real deal? I, one of the major points that we always talk about on the podcast 
over the Total Basis podcast is catchers. What the hell are they? Can they hit ever? Can yeah. we ever get excited for a catching prospect? Let me ask you, Vince, when's the last time you got excited for a catching prospect like this? Jesus Montero. <laughs> <laughs> and look how that turned out. Yeah, I should say Jesus Montero based on name, because back then, like I knew Yankee prospects, I never went out of my way to look at them. And when I saw him come up to the majors, uh, I very much soured on him very quickly. But yes, that, that was the last. Yeah, I catch her prospects are not sexy to me. I try and trade them as much as possible. Like I need I need, you know, one and a half catchers for fantasy if it's dynasty league. And then after that, it's just they're not, they're not it's not a great return on investment. It's not, but I think that's part of the problem, though, is that they are sexy because the catching landscape is just awful. And then there's this nice-looking prospect, not to sound creepy, but there's this nice-looking prospect over there, and he might be the next big thing. And you want to get on board because if you if you tackle catching at the hitting position, from a hitting perspective, I should say, you corner that damn market rather easily because there's nobody there. Yeah. And, and as catchers get older, yeah, they get better, but they also start declining. So you're looking at Adley Rushman and, hey – How's your hit tool going? And and what happens ends up happening is more times than not, these guys let you down more often than not. So, yeah. it, well, it, and people fall for it every single year. Uh, other prospects, really quick. Um, uh, C.J. Abrams and the Padres, uh, selfishly speaking, because I just picked them up on my on my points league. Um, <laughs> uh, and there's another guy. Oh, Bobby Witt Jr., uh, another junior. You know, there's Fernando Tatis, Vladimir Guerrero, and then Bobby Witt, the son cool. of former Major League pitcher uh, Bobby Witt. That's the so, guy I passed on in Dynasty in the draft. So I'd rather yeah. not be with him. Yeah, I traded down, took JJ Bourdais, uh, got some picks out of it too, but which doing well, which is, you know. And I can go on and on as to all the prospects I'm excited for on this list. But I mean, basically, if you play fantasy baseball and you're like, like you said, in the keeper or dynasty league, this is the game you're looking forward to. Because let's face it, Vince, a lot of guys who play fantasy baseball, this will be the first time that they're actually seeing these guys in action on a national stage like this. So there's a lot of big names on this list. I'm not going to go over them. It's just it's just stating the obvious. So, but I just gave you a handful. You gave me a handful of names as well. Uh, but I think the big one is Jason Domingos for sure, because of all, all of the reasons we explained already. Yeah. Very curious to see even see him do something. Um, so Dominguez possibly perennial future uh, all-star, but for now we've got all-stars this year. So let's go through this. Um, I'll read you, we'll start with the AL, we'll start at first base. I'll read you the three names who are the top three vote getters. You tell me who you would have number one, and I'll tell you if that is the case or not, and then whether I agree. So first base American League, right now the top three, Yuli Goriel, Jose Abreu, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Who, who am I voting for, or who yeah. am I selecting? Uh, Vlad, it's, yeah. it's, not, it's not even, no, it's Vladimir that, Guerrero all the way. He is the top vote getter, so the fans have it right right now. Uh, who, do, do you care who? I mean, I, in my mind, Yuli is very clearly second, but uh, you're a Chicago guy. I didn't know if you had a, a soft spot for a Bray or not. Uh, he's not been as good as last year, um, yeah. and that's a lot of. Uh, they say they say that there's not a lot of White Sox fans, but obviously there are because uh, you know Abreu is up there on the list. So it, they are they tend to vote. They just don't show up to the ballpark. <laughs> I got to get yeah. that joke in right now as that's a running gag here in Chicago. Like, yeah, there's White Sox fans that are nowhere to be found. But the fact that Jose Abreu is number three on this list, that just shows me, I mean, well, maybe there's a little bit of an impact from MVP last year. He did win the MVP last year. Uh, but I got to think that there's a lot of White Sox fans who are, uh, uh, what are you calling, um, just stuffing the ballot with his name on it. 
but yeah. he's not as good as he was last year. He's been struggling this year, and uh, I'm kind of surprised that people are still giving him the benefit of the doubt. So yeah. I would take Yuli Gurriel at second right there. 240 and a 753 OPS, which segues nicely into second base in the AL. Uh, we have had DJ LeMahieu attacked multiple times in baseball life for having a down year. His down year, by the way, is 273, 721 OPS. So it is it is a down year by Yankee standards. It's probably a long, closer to what his career was before he joined the Yankees. Um, you want to talk juiced balls? I'm totally into it. But uh, <laughs> we don't hear that so much with the Brave, who, who is uh, like there's plenty of guys who are struggling this year. We knew it was going to happen. 2021 was going to be a weird year. Just post-pandemic, back to a full season, injuries were likely to happen, uh, unjuiced balls, now pitchers not being able to use their goo. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts this year. LeMahieu's on that list with Jose Altuve and Marcus Simeon. I got to go with Simeon, man. Uh, he's He's been moving up to the hype. Uh, he's over super exceeded expectations. Uh, and let's face it, he's been a solid uh, foundation for that Blue Jay, uh, that young Blue Jays team. And making them relevant again. I think he's a big part of that reason why they're, they are where they are. As Henry will point out to you, Simeon in a walk year, one year deal. He's one, him and Schwarber, man, are going to cash in <laughs> years they're having off one year, deal, one year prove it deals. Yep. Um, Simeon is number one. They've got it right. I agree with that. Uh, Altuve is actually a lot closer than I thought as far as Simeon's numbers. I would have him a firm second I don't know if someone should be third instead of LeMahieu, but I'm fine with it. It doesn't matter at that point. Like, yeah, I'm fine with him being third. He's definitely not first or second. Um, other candidates, maybe Brandon Lau. So you're right. Might as well put yeah, LeMahieu up there. Well, like 200. So uh, <laughs> I know he's got uh, several home runs, but Altuve and Semien, by the way, both hitting 286 into today. Uh, mm -hmm. has two more home runs, seven more RBIs, and an OPS 0.08 higher. So they are pretty close but they've got it right with Simeon. Third base, Alex Bregman, Yoan Moncada, another White Sox guy, and Rafael Devers. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, well, um, for fantasy purposes, I'm going to go with Rafael Devers because he's on one of my teams, so I'm going to go with him. Here's what I think is funny about this, and Devers is number one, and I agree with you. He should be number one. If you add up Alex Bregman and Yoan Moncada's home runs, they're seven less than Devers. Brightman <laughs> <laughs> has seven, Montada has five, Devers has 19 home runs. The RBIs, uh, they lead by five over Devers combined. So that's how far apart. Devers has no PS that's 130 points higher than Montada, who's ahead of Bregman slightly. I mean, by the way, that disrespect for Jose Ramirez, he should he should be uh getting all the votes, but unfortunately he plays for Cleveland. So nobody cares about Cleveland. It should be on there over Bregman for sure. I mean, Bregman 275, seven home runs, 34 RBI, 787 OPS. That's like a guy you put in there when there's just no other options. And Ramirez is a fine <laughs> option. So I agree with you. But Devers rightfully number one. Uh, people complain about fans getting the vote, but they get it right a lot of the time. <laughs> and I think they're doing it here. So we go to the shortstop now. Everyone, this is like my, my like, trio of hatred but i can't argue with the results Bo Bichette, xander bogarts and carlos correa <laughs> uh again selfish reasons i got boba shit on my keeper league i'm gonna go with boba shit just for selfish reasons i hear you and he absolutely i think deserves to be third xander bogarts is number one i agree with bogarts being number one and this actually 
not that you intended it, but this goes into Bogarts, I think, is the most underappreciated player in baseball. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Part of it, rightfully so, is he plays at Fenway. I, I mean, I hear this all the time with the Yankee Stadium being a little league park. Fenway is an absolute hitter's paradise. He's in a stacked lineup. He has a short wall and left. All of those are benefits to him. Uh, and we never hear those types of criticism, criticisms. But that said, Bogarts is, like, never mentioned. And he might be the best shortstop in baseball. Um, you want to hear a fun stat there, Vince, while I have it on? Xander Bogart, since 2017, among all shortstops, lead all shortstops in doubles with 161. In second place is Francisco Lindor with only 139. So there's a guy who takes advantage of his surroundings right there. Yeah, doubles ballpark at Fenway. 327, 13 home runs, 47 RBIs, 941 OPS. Those are all great. They are all the best. He edges Correa, 315 home runs, 49 RBIs. So Correa's got him in, in home runs and RBIs, but Bogart's edging him in uh, OPS and has a sizable batting average lead. Uh, I'm sorry, really quick. That was for American League only. So yeah. he leads American League only shortstops. Uh, in terms of American League hitters overall, he still leads. He leads Jose Ramirez by one double. Okay. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's wild. Uh, Bo Bichette, 283, 15, 53, 817. So a little bit of a drop off with your boy. Yeah, but there is. I think he probably is third. Bogarts, the thing that is most underappreciated, which if you're a Yankee fan, you love to hate, he is unbelievably fundamental as a hitter. Mm -hmm. He will put the ball in play. He will go the other way. He knows when to make contact. He knows when to swing for the fences. Absolutely intelligent hitter. It doesn't get mentioned enough. Um, yeah, part of the problem there, Vince, is that when he was starting out, he did display all of that. Like, think about him as a right-handed version of Matt Carpenter, and that's a wild, uh, you know, a wild comparison. But hear me out. Like you mentioned, he does it all, though. He yeah. he can spray the ball. He can hit for power. He can hit for the gaps. And he's a very patient hitter when he has to be. And that's what he wanted to be when he first showed up was uh, after uh, he started the, uh, his career off to a great start, uh, he decided that he was going to be more patient. And well, what happens when you become more patient is that you're not as explosive. The, the stats don't jump off the table, but the underlying stats like, you know, batting eye and plate discipline, those do, but nobody cares about that. Ask Joey Votto about that. So, but you know, like you said, he's, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, done a great job of transitioning to the stud that he has become uh, today. So I'm happy for him. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Catcher, pretty oh, ugly. This is an indictment of modern baseball in my mind. Uh, and we'll get why in a second. Yasmani Grandel, Martin Maldonado, and Salvador Perez. Salvador Perez has to be. Yes, and he is. And rightfully so, because <laughs> here's him compared to Martin Maldonado, who I assume would have been the third choice here. And I only say that because, well, we'll get to the stats. Batting average, 272 to 181. Home runs, 18 to 5. RBIs 47 to 21 and OPS 799 to 566. Maldonado is third on this list. He has a 566 OPS. That is terrible. And Grandal, we went over this last week on this show. One of the weirdest seasons I've ever seen in my life. He has a plus 800 OPS. He's hitting 180. And I think he has a, a plus 400 on base percentage. Excuse me. I was going to mention that or at Fangraphs, they have it, you know, by catcher and they have a, a qualified uh, uh, stipulation, right? So there's yeah. a, a number of plate appearances you have to qualify in order to be on that list on catcher. Well, when I click on catcher for the American League, only two names showed up on that 
It was Salvador Perez and uh, I forgot the other guy. That's how I think it was Christian. Va- it was Christian Vasquez. Mm-hmm. Only those two. So I had to narrow. I had to drop it down to 150 plate appearances to see more catchers. So after dropping it down to 150 plate appearances, the list goes up to 10 catchers. So, yeah. so that just goes to show you how ridiculously weak. And that's just for the American League only because we're talking about the American League. But that's just how weak it is. Uh, um, at catching position right now. A lot of these guys are part-timers. They have to share uh, plate appearances and, and, and games and duties with other catchers. So that's where Salvador Perez kind of uh, shows up big is because he doesn't have to share with anybody. He gets all the plate appearances, all the games yeah. that he can handle. So Good point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and he can afford to do that on that team. So yep. AL outfield, obviously a little smorgasbord. We got Mike Trout, number one, he'll be replaced. I mean, he would have probably been number one had he not been hurt. But at this point, he's not, A, going to be healthy, and B, doesn't deserve it based on stats. Aaron Judge, number two, no problem there. Uh, 900-plus OPS, he's hitting 285. I mean, Aaron Judge having his best year since he was a rookie, and he's actually doing it quietly in a large market, which is impressive to me. Uh, Byron Buxton, number three, again, absolutely worthy, but again, hurt. Uh, so two of those guys are near replaced. Michael Brantley has four home runs, but he's hitting 341. And that uh-huh. alone, I think he deserves a spot. Um, Odalis Garcia, I think, is that guy that everyone's kind of pulling for because he's just a total. Reminds me of when Hunter Pence had that renaissance year a few years ago. Oh, jeez. Uh, 274, 20 home runs, 55 RBIs, 855 OPS, rock solid for Texas. They're going to need a representative. Uh, I'm sure Kyle Gibson will make it too, but they're going to need a representative. So, and then you've got guys like Cedric Mullins, Alex Verdugo. Um, Brett will be happy to hear Randall Bridgicks on this list. Oh, God. Yeah, and uh, Teoscar Hernandez. So, in my mind, those three are fine. If I had to replace them, I'd probably go with Garcia and Brantley. Um, but I wouldn't really have a problem with Mullins or Verdugo either, I don't think. See, uh, here's interesting. So you mentioned Michael Brantley's high uh, batting average. And I just want to point out that that's just not empty calorie batting average in terms of weighted on-base average, which uh, accounts for doubles and triples and home runs and puts it on a linear scale where those are more important hits than just singles. Uh, he's hitting 381. So it's not just empty calories, punch and Judy hitter. Michael Brantley's hitting the ball with authority. Yeah, four home runs, but he's making it up in other aspects. He's hitting the ball towards the gap more often, I'm I'm assuming at this point. So he's number three in Woba, which is a more of a power hitting uh, statistic. Yeah, Michael Brantley's in the middle of it. Yes, so he's he's hitting a lot of extra bases. They're just not home runs. Uh, And then uh, here's another name for you, Cedric Mullins. I don't think I heard you mention Cedric Mullins, but Cedric Mullins does deserve some also consideration this year. I know that he's not a very popular name. Uh, playing for the Orioles as well, but he is hitting 14 home runs, hitting 323 and an on-base percentage of 391. Uh, It's kind of maybe consider him replacing some of these injured guys as well. Yeah, You're absolutely right. Now a 946 OPS too, which is even higher than Aaron judge. Um, Yeah. I, I, I take it back. I would go, I would go judge Mullins and then probably, Brantley only because I like the statistical I like the high average I, the, that's something mm-hmm. I go for now in the yeah. way that baseball's played so those are probably my three guys that go to battle with uh, one more name for you on the opposite side of the spectrum there's a guy who's hitting 230 but still he's second in war according to fan grabs among AL outfielders and that's Joey Gallo uh, or as we like to call him uh, the guy from Miles and Vinny 
but you like yeah uh basically all home runs <laughs> i'm guessing yeah, yeah 18 home runs it's not it's not Shohei otani number of home runs but that's because everybody's afraid to pitch to him uh yeah that's the other thing we gotta wait for otani too is like what's gonna happen when the league finally adjusts to him and they decide that they're gonna be chicken shit about things and not pitch to him like they don't pitch to joey gallo and bryce harper already but joey gallo uh is having a, a bounce back year he's hitting 230 which for Joey Gallo, if he's hitting 230, watch out. Uh, that's you're in for a bad time. And I, my, my goal for this year, Vince, is to see Joey Gallo make it to a really good team, and that way people can really appreciate him. Yeah, and I think he will. I think he will get traded. Um, so we'll save the NL for next week as we get closer. I want to move on to division standings, but yeah, I, I the fans have it pretty much right. Um, obviously, they can't control injury votes, but. Yeah, they've got it pretty much right. The AL outfield needs to work. Other than that, it's pretty good. Um, speaking of, you know, we'll switch over to the NL now as far as division go, or as far as playoff teams go. Here's what our playoff picture looks like. The Mets lead the East. That lead is two and a half games. Nationals won again today. They've won eight out of, eight out of 10. They now have a positive run differential. Um, in my mind, Mets and Nationals are the only two teams in the NL in the NL East who have a shot at the playoffs. Uh, Phillies are only two and a half behind the Nationals. I just they're not good enough to me to justify any reason they would go on a run and, and pass two teams. And in my mind, you're probably getting one playoff team in the NL East. I don't know if you agree. Do you think one of those teams could win a wild card? First and foremost, when I was looking at this last night, uh, I was looking at the Fangraphs playoff odds. The Braves had a higher percentage of making the playoffs than the Nationals did. And today that I'm looking at it, the Nationals finally overtook the Braves. And now they're up one-tenth of a percent of making the playoffs over the Braves. So um, they're all, Nationals are only one game away from the Mets, but the Mets are 79.7% uh, assured to make the playoffs that's how much fan are loving them this year while the nationals even though they're only one game out are only at 11.4 percent so there's something in the roster that fan is looking at it and they're going mm, nah i think the mets have this in the bag uh i think the mets though they have um some deficiencies that they've done a really good job of, of covering up a lot of injuries that they were able to cover up speaks volumes to their depth that's why one of the reasons why i boldly predicted back in february that they were my um my world series team until I chickened out at the last minute in March, but, <laughs> and I went with the Braves because I, I kept it safe. That, that just goes to show you Vince never go, never go safe on these predictions. Just go bald. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I could have told you that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, some people don't learn that way. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so like you said, the nationals, uh, you mentioned earlier, they've been on fire lately. So uh, and that's the thing about the nationals. They don't give up. Uh, Mike Rizzo doesn't know the meaning of the word give up. He's never, uh, been a part of a season where he doesn't go for it all the way through. This is a guy who did not trade Bryce Harper when everybody was telling him to trade Bryce Harper and get something out of him at the trade deadline. And he's like, no, we're still in this division. We're still in this. And and he was right, but he was a year uh, early because they end up winning the World Series the following year after Bryce Harper left. Uh, but the Phillies, um, there's a lot to like about the Phillies. And then there's a lot of things that you, I despise about the Phillies. And mostly it's their bullpen that just still continues to suck despite the fact that they did a lot of uh, acquisitions and they keep tinkering it. And Joe Girardi is supposed to be uh, a better gauge of bullpen over some of the guys that have been managing that team the last couple of years. Gabe Kapler comes to mind. And they still suck. Um, and, and then the worst thing that's happening to the Phillies right now, Vince, is that Aaron Nola suddenly does not look, does not look like the ace that we've grown accustomed to. 
you know who's looked like the ace that looks like a legit ace at this point? And it's Zach Wheeler. So uh, it's that whole situation fascinates me. I do think Joe Dorothy is really good bullpen manager, but he comes over to the Phillies. Their bullpen is terrible. Gabe Kapler, who I thought was a terrible bullpen manager, goes over to the Giants Mm -hmm. and they're the best team in the league. And they have a great bullpen and pitching. So just goes to show you, managers make an impact, but sometimes it's situational based. And I think that the pieces, Phillies just, they you're right, they have a lot of good pieces. They just don't mesh. They're kind of like the angels of the NL to me. They, they have a lot of good individual pieces. They just can't figure out how to get the pitching and they can't figure out how to get a cohesive playoff contender and for that reason I have no faith in them the Braves are where I'm wrong in the NL East I actually I thought the Nationals would be okay I thought they'd be a casualty of just the Mets and Braves Uh, Braves earlier in this year I said just wait they're going to turn it around they'll win the division but every day that goes by I'm believing in them less and less they just seem mediocre to me and again their pitchers, I did think the reason I didn't pick them to go far in the playoffs this year, Ian Anderson and um, Max Fried and Mike Soraka and all of those young starters, you see this every single year. They burn these pitchers out in the playoffs to try and win a World Series. If you do, great. Works for the Nationals and the Red Sox. But if you don't, like the Braves, and you blow a 3-1 series, you lose in seven in the NLCS – you're in for it the next year anyway. And that's what the Braves are facing. I don't see them getting the pieces they need to turn this around and jump three teams at this point. You can discount the Phillies, jump two teams. I think the Nationals are better set up than the Braves. I do think the Mets have the best team in that league. What worries me is, A, we keep, they're one of those teams. They're kind of like the Yankees. We keep thinking they're going to get healthy. They're going to get healthy. They're going to get healthy. And then someone new gets hurt. Um, and some teams are just like that. Yankees have been like that for like three years now. Um, that worries me. And also, I just, I don't, they haven't been there. The Nationals, like you mentioned earlier, they're they're battle tested. They've been down this road. The leaders of that team have won a World Series. The Mets have not been a playoff team with basically all of these guys since they were rookies. Like DeGrom, yeah, he went to the World Series in 2015, but these guys haven't been there in six years Five years, I guess you can count the wild card loss to Bumgarner. Um, that concerns me. Just culturally, it concerns me. But they're playing well. They have a two-and-a-half game lead. And I think they are the most talented team in that division. But it wouldn't surprise me if the Nationals won the East. I do think only one of them is making the playoffs. So. And I just want to point out with the Braves, uh, you mentioned a lot of their young pitchers. It's not that just that they didn't – that they uh, brought them up too early or burned them out or whatever. It's just that they, they didn't – they saw them as guys that can help – on a contending team when they should have, yeah, they can help. All right. If you trade them to another team and get some more freaking pitchers to help you out. And you know what they did this off season, right? Vince is that, okay, we're not going to trade anybody. We're going to bring in help. All right. Here's our help. Charlie Morton, who was on the prep on the verge of, of retiring after last season's uh, world series debacle. And he, he signs with the Braves and that's your answer to everything is Charlie Morton. Yeah. A, a 37, 38 year old pitcher. Braves specialty one year deal. They don't, make, they don't make the big trade that it how their farm system was unbelievable a couple of years ago they could have made two or three impact trades and still like the padres had a good farm system they didn't do that they hoard all of their prospects and then they never make they never make the big signing either ozuna was the big signing and it backfired hilariously for them wow. but 
it, yeah, they, those are the two things that will they'll never get pushed over the top because they don't know how to make the big trade and they don't make the big signing. They go for cheap. Um, again, Yankees, similar problem in the AL this year. They went cheap and it backfired blew up in their face. So this is what happened. And if you look uh, at the Braves roster, it's it, it got top heavy in a hurry because after Ozzy Albies batting number three uh, in, uh, behind Freddie uh, Freeman and Ronald Cunha, the talent level just drops precipitously in a hurry. And I don't remember. I knew they had a problem to begin with, with some depth. This looks just awful at this point. I, I, I agree with you. I, I have hope for the Braves to kind of turn things around because they are the Braves and they're as long as Acuna and Freeman and Albies are there, but they need some help. And like you mentioned, I don't think they have it in them to bring in the cavalry to help those three guys out. I don't either. They're up seven, two on the Mets though. So that looks like it's going to be one and a half. Um, <laughs> Go ahead. NL Central. Fascinating. To, uh, this got out of hand really, really fast. Yeah. Like I blinked, and all of a sudden the Cubs went from like two games in first to six games back. Uh, mm-hmm. Real, I mean, Brewers are, are red hot. No one's talking about them. They won nine out of ten. They are on an eight-game winning streak. They scored, like we said, fifteen runs on the Cubs today and beat them. Uh, Cubs are six back. They're three over now. They've lost six in a row. They've really been pretty bad now for almost a month in my, like two or three weeks, I think. Um, and coinciding with this, the Cardinals really haven't gotten started. They're eight back, they're one under. And the Reds have kind of come out of nowhere. <laughs> and they're about to be, there are 500. They're going to be over 500, probably going to win today. So you've got now the Cubs, Reds, and Cardinals separated by two games. And as Dong City predicted, I don't know what you guys did on your show, Henry and I both had the Brewers winning Central. Um, obviously, certain fan bases disagreed with it. Uh, the Reds, I think we had in third. So really, it's just in, if the Cardinals and Cubs leapfrog, I'll have nailed this entire division. But even so, Brewers look finally like they're the class of the Central. And this could be a team. I mean, I make fun of Central teams a lot. They could make noise in the playoffs, I think. First and foremost, Roberto, you still owe me. You, you were supposed to hand me Dong City's predictions a long time ago. What the hell, man? I'm still waiting. I was going to okay, add so it to my spreadsheet. All, yeah, to be fair, we'll get to it next week. But we, we will we will unhash all of this. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I think Sean had the Reds winning the division, and I had the Brewers. I just fell in love with their pitching. I mean, their hitting was not up to par, but their pitching was so on point that – all they, and, and I think you guys mentioned it all the time, and we mentioned it on our show as well, that defensively, they're just a solid defensive team, the Brewers are, that they were built for pitching and defense, and we'll figure out the hitting. Well, guess what happened? Uh, they figured out the hitting by acquiring Willie Adamas, who has uh, – uh, he's – Sean uh, – Sorry, what was that? I said he's also an excellent defender. Yeah, yeah. Oh, just a bonus, right? Uh, he goes on a, a, a special defensive team, and he actually brings a bat. Sean uh, mentioned it a couple of weeks ago and on this Sunday's episode of the Total Basis Podcast, where Willie Adamas, and as you know, Vince, uh, Sean used to work for the Montgomery Biscuits, the AA affiliate of the Tampa Bay Rays. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things that Willie Adamas admitted uh, back when he was in Tampa. I hate playing in this ballpark. It sucks playing at Tropicana Field. I can't see the ball when I'm on the batter's box. I don't know yeah. about you, Vince, but I think you need to see the freaking ball in order to be a solid yeah. hitter in this league, right? For years, no one can see the ball in that ballpark. So, <laughs> so, um, so now that he's on a, on a more hitter-friendly ballpark with a, a different cast of uh, uh, brew crew members, uh, Sean explained that he's actually done a lot better. Uh, Kesson Hira, 
who has not seen a, a, a pitcher that he has not struck out against this season. He strikes out in an alarming rate, but he also hits for a lot of power. And so far, he's come back with a vengeance this time around in his second uh, attempt to come back to Major League yeah. Baseball. Uh, so we'll see if, if Kesson Hiura and Willie Adamas can hit in this manner. The Brewers might just be the most complete team in this division. Yeah, and really even beyond that, like all of a sudden, it, you know, the, the stance I had in the beginning of the year was the AL was pretty wide open. You had a few teams, you know, you had your tiers. But the AL was pretty wide open. I couldn't say definitively I had faith in, like, the Yankees going to the World Series. I thought the White Sox would take a step back. Um, and then, you, you, yeah, you've got your normal Astros, A's, Twins, whatever. It means. Um, you knew the Blue Jays would be interesting. You knew the Red Sox would be better than they were. I didn't think they'd be a playoff team. But the NL was like Dodgers-Padres. <laughs> and all of a sudden – Neither of those teams are bad. Like they're both 15, 15 over and better, but you do have inter insight, interesting. You you have interest, intrigue in the Giants and Brewers all of a sudden, who don't look like they're going away. The Brewers have gotten red hot. Um, they're in first, like you said, and they are the NL version of the Rays. I've said it over and over again. Pitching and defense, they have a formula that wins them divisions, and in a week, NL Central. It's not, it, it's a, it's a pretty easy division win for them. I think you're going to see that throughout the season. So Brewers though, are one of those teams like the Rays who can be really annoying in the playoffs too. Yeah. But I don't think it's just the division for them. I think because two of those three teams, the NLS are going to knock each other out. Right. Cause we have this stupid system where we don't reseed. So the two wild cards, I assume Dodgers and, and Padres or any combination of those three, two of those three teams are going to be the wild card. One's going to be a division winner. One of those teams is guaranteed to be eliminated before we even get to the division series. So in my mind, then you're looking at two of those three teams. You're looking at the Brewers and, you know, the Mets could make noise. They, they also are a team that is a great pitching staff uh, if it's healthy. But in my mind, I think the Brewers have the best chance. If you had to, if gun to my head, if I had to choose an NL West, a non-NL West team to make the World Series, it's the Brewers, just based on how they're built. That's very uh, bold. Yeah. Yeah. See? And I would say right now, Mets, still, still a contender in my mind. Nationals, I think I've moved into contender status. They scare me. Brewers are a contender. Clubs, I do not have as a contender. I think they're going to continue to get worse. Uh, Reds, nice story, but they'll probably stay mediocre with the Cardinals. The only two, the only team I've really changed on besides elevating the Nationals is the Giants. That brings us into the West. Uh, they're in first place, one and a half games in the hardest division in baseball, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. There's two absolutely terrible teams in that division, but the fact that the three of them are so good. AL East really the only one that, that might be able to make an argument like that because they have four teams who are going to probably be, finish above 500. Yeah. But you got three juggernauts in the NL West, and the Giants are leading them in plus 97 run differential, nothing to sneeze at. Um, they've lost three in a row, but they they still – they're good home. They're good away. They have good pitching and defense. They have timely hitting. They're a very smart team. What do yeah. you think staying powers? And that's ironic because for a couple of years, they look they look like they didn't know what the hell they were doing. They kept signing veterans that had no business being in – like Evan Longoria yeah. is an example. And by the way, he's hurt. Imagine if he was still healthy on this team. Maybe they'd be a lot way better than they are right now. Just another guy who's hurt that 
they, they could use right about now. And that's, uh, oh, I, I, they got a bunch of guys who are hurt. Brandon Belt, Tommy LaSella. All these guys are over 30. Vincent, um, the youngest guy on this, on, on this roster, according to rosterresource.com, he's 25 years old and some guy named Tyro Estrada. So he's not even like uh, uh, uh Yeah. Yeah. And then you take him away, the youngest, all of a sudden, the youngest guy becomes, uh, in terms of their offense or hitters, this this guy named Lamonte Wade Jr. who got sent down and then got called back up immediately because Brandon Bell got hurt. So now he's playing first base. He's 27 years old. So it's a very old veteran Grizzly team. And they have, like you mentioned, they have somehow gravitated to the ways of Gabe Kapler. I don't know what it is. Uh, I mean, I could... I could make some guesses and take some stabs, but it really is something remarkable because a lot of these players on this roster, they're like, really? Him, Wilmer Flores is now making an impact on this Giants team? Yeah. Darren Ruff? Yeah, like total, again, it kind of spare parts, extra parts, bonus parts, whatever you want to call it. They're a very strange team and they're making it work. Uh, They're making it work under Kapler, which cracks me up because he's like uber analytics. And the way those Giants won those World Series was like kind of by being a little bit old school. Um, but they're a team who didn't have to reload or didn't have to rebuild, I should say. They never went full commitment to a rebuild. Now all of a sudden they're good again. I don't know if it's in the last multiple years, but this is a team that is getting production out of basically nothing players. And the farm players they do have, I don't think they have a terrible farm, but it's not great. It's not uh, great, no. I mean, that's one of the, part of the reason why they couldn't rebuild was because they had nobody to come up and spell some of these veterans out. Yeah. So that's, I think that's part, I mean, we saw a little bit of them last year where, where guys who came out of nowhere for this year, they planted seeds last year. Steven Duggar, Alex Dickerson uh, was another guy. Uh, well, Austin Slater is another guy. And all of a sudden this year, Austin Slater is on the bench. Steven Duggar is on a platoon. So they keep finding guys that can just, they can plug in and they can contribute right away. And you could tell that they love playing. And you mentioned that, you know, the Giants did it old school way uh, back in the 2010s. Well, it's easy to go old school when you have this gargantuan ballpark. A lot of the, the pitchers that they have now, they've met, they've benefited greatly from playing in San Francisco. Kevin Gossman, I called it on the other podcast and people made fun of me, but Kevin Gossman is legit, man. He's a legit ace. Uh, people gave me shit about it. I could still hear, see the comments, but I'm running my little victory lap here, Vince, because if I don't do it, who else, who will do it for me? I completely buy into that. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, Johnny Cueto looks good. Alex Wood suddenly looks like the prospect we all thought he could be one day at the age of 30 years old. He's finally figuring things out little by little. Anthony, Anthony Disclafani, remember from him for the Reds and he was supposed to be the next guy for him finally to get a pitcher and he didn't pan out. Well, he loves pitching in San Francisco apparently because he loves that big gargantuan ballpark. And that's, yeah. that's uh, been the difference for a lot of these pitchers on the giants is that they don't have to worry about a fly ball going into the stands because it's San Francisco, man. It's, it's a really hard place to hit a home run unless you're Barry Bonds. Yeah. And it's crazy because the giants as an offense are hitting home runs. They're doing it with guys who are not only hitters. So like, and nothing makes sense. Every, nothing just, makes sense. No. <laughs> everyone. Uh, and, and staying afloat. We'll see you again. If it lasts, we've seen this script a little bit, 2017, Giants were, I think, the best team in baseball the first half and then the worst team in baseball the second half. So we'll see. Um, but, yeah, I think we're going to save the AL, too, for next week. So we'll, we'll stick with AL. We're going to have AL uh, pretenders and, and contenders, and then we're also going to do the NL all-star voting. But 
Uh, let's kind of tease next week. We're still working on a day and time. Before you go on, Vince, can I just uh, mention one more thing about the National League West and, and then uh, uh, we'll move on to the things. Okay, so you mentioned Dodgers, Padres, Giants are guaranteed. Yeah, according to Fangraphs, the Giants are at 79, despite the fact that they have the best record in the National League. And I do apologize for the screaming baby. I don't know what the hell's their problem. Stop it. But the Giants are at 79.8% to make the playoffs, even though they have the best record in the, in the league because Fangraphs loves the Dodgers and the Padres. Dodgers and Padres have a little bit more depth, more resources. Uh, you know, obviously, you don't need me to tell you that. But yeah. you're right. There's going to be three teams that are going to make the playoffs. And let's say goodbye to the Diamondbacks and Rockies for the season because they're at zero percent chance of making the playoffs. Yeah. They really should be at less than zero for the Diamondbacks. But oh. um, yeah, uh, <laughs> crazy. So we'll see. We'll have to see. We'll see how, how that goes. But um, Announcement for next week. We don't have a day or time yet. Uh, we are trying to do a merged podcast between your podcast, Total Bases, my podcast, Don City. Henry Maldonado should be back uh, next week. So we're going to figure it out. We have to figure out what day and time, but we do want to do sort of a uh, preview, right? That's what we're discussing as far as uh, joining podcasts, kind of getting on it. We're going to review our preseason predictions, see everything that's going on there. So Look forward to that either Monday or Wednesday of next week. Um, but Felipe, thank you for joining. Thank you for filling in for Henry this week. Uh, we got through a lot there. And we will be back next week. Tune in to the Audible on Tuesdays tomorrow. Or I'm sorry, it's Wednesday now. I keep getting that mixed up. You have work shoot tomorrow night. Uh, no, they went today. They went today, by the way. They went, I, everything's a mess. Anyway, everything's our a mess, yeah. we have work shoot in wrestling. In wrestling. We have the Audible in football uh total bases usually on the weekends the other the baseball fantasy version of the podcast and then of course the step back is the basketball one so tune into all of those uh throughout the week we will be back next week felipe thank you for joining me this has been dong city everyone have a great night thanks everybody